We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig. We are in that week between the conference championships and the Super Bowl, of course. We'll talk a little bit about what happened last weekend, but today we're going to be focusing on because of the fact that the NFL is king and, and the news cycle never sleeps. We'll get into some of those coaching searches, some of those job hirings and so on throughout this podcast. We're also going to get into a little bit of senior bowl discussion, getting you ready for draft season just around the corner. It really starts to kick off, of course, with senior bowl week. So stay tuned for more here on the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome back into the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, of course, presented by our friends over at WinBet. I'm John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig. Mario, a lot of crazy things happened since we last talked. The Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl. We're going to have the second year in a row in which the the stadium where the Super Bowl is being played uh, also features the host team, uh, the, the Rams, of course, following suit uh, with the Buccaneers uh, a year ago. Uh, but there's, there's been a ton going on. The coaching search, obviously, the, the Brian Flores stuff is just a, a complete mess, it seems like. Um, really crazy stuff going on there. Um, but you know, top of the top of the list here that we have to get to your thoughts on the new Washington commanders team name. Uh, it's great. Um, <laughs> they, they timed the announcement. Well, uh, they, they timed it. Um, who knows if there's a coincidence behind this, but, uh, some new detail, some new allegations on uh, Dan Snyder came out this morning as well. Uh, we already knew he was pretty cool and now we know, He's even cooler than we thought. You can look that stuff up. Uh, that stuff up. Um, I think the commander's name is um, whatever. Super mid, uh, predictably un- uninspired, and uh, I'm gonna probably keep calling them the football team. I guess. I think I will too. Uh, I was starting to, to get used to the football team. It was starting to grow on me, and and uh, you know the logo doesn't really look all that much different to me. Yeah, they look like a. I, I know that the W is for Washington, but it looks like it could be like the Wario's. Um, <laughs> or is that? It, I don't know if that's Waluigi's W, but it looks like that W. It, it also kind of looks like uh, the the fast food chain Wiener Schnitzel. It, 
that's a fast food chain or maybe I'm imagining that or maybe it's from a movie or something, but it, it, it looks very similar to like what, what a fast food chain would, would uh, link their brand to. Yeah. So um, anyway, hopefully, hopefully the players on that team do well or whatever, but hopefully Dan Snyder, um, hopefully at the very least somebody brings Dan Snyder back. One of those uh, giant pallets of melting vanilla ice cream cartons that he left in Mike Nolan's office when he was like gone on vacation or whatever. Oh, (laughs) Um, sorry. I, I I just think Dan Snyder is just an all time villain. I mean, obviously he is, but um, Mm -hmm. he's, he surprises you all the time these days. And you always think, you know, 10 years ago, whatever you knew about him, you thought like, can't get worse than this. And, just keeps getting worse and he just keeps staying in the owner of that team. It's really cool. Yeah. He, he continues to, to find a way, uh, can really, uh, survive for him. seemingly Good. any Good for him. sort of PR hit. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so we're starting to see, of course, a- after, you know, Sean Payton steps away right around the time that we were uh, recording the pod a week ago, you know, so many job openings across the NFL. Now we have Tom Brady retiring. So we don't really know, uh, what the Buccaneers are going to do next. And actually, I'd like to start there for a second before we dig deeper on, onto the coaching stuff. But, you know, you look at the two legendary Hall of Fame quarterbacks that, that are stepping away uh, between Ben Roethlisberger and now Tom Brady, and you look at the the context, the landscape right now, where this is not a class that's particularly loaded at the quarterback position. I know the Steelers have paid some lip service to both Dwayne Haskins and, and um, Mason Rudolph Buccaneers. It's been a little bit too soon to really know what, what their plans are. I know that there's been a lot of linkage between them and Jimmy G. Of course, we, we got to figure that Jimmy G's on the move after, after the NFC championship performance and the fact that they traded up, spent so much draft capital on, on Trey Lance. But when you look at those two, it's interesting in the sense that there could be first round quarterbacks available where they're picking, you know, usually that's not the case because, Usually these guys are getting pushed into the top 15, top 10, top five, however you want to put it. None of these guys really, I mean, I could see like one maybe going in the top 15 or so, but um, I think that there will be quarterbacks available when they're picking, but what's the path forward for both of these teams when, when it comes to quarterback? Well, it's, it's definitely a strange time, like you said, because uh, two players that we just kind of took for a given to, always be in that quarterback top five are gone and there's both kind of um well I guess we got the the prospects from last year who uh, I certainly still believe in Trevor Lawrence I guess pending whatever incredibly incompetent nonsense Chad Khan and Trent Baalke are cooking up and I think Justin Fields I know there was like a rough rookie year kind of but he was still showing as much promise as I think you'd hope but like you said nobody in this class is, is really close to guys like them. I don't, I don't think there's any even uh, Mac Jones, like I had Mac Jones ranked ahead of Zach Wilson, but I, I think there is neither a Mac Jones nor Zach Wilson kind of prospect in this draft. So that's the kind of starting point I have in mind. And there are certain guys like Ritter. I had some hope for, but he, he measured in like way too light at six, three, two of seven or something like that at the senior bowl. And that's like, Brett Smith, Anthony Gordon kind of frame. It's just not going to work. Um, I think uh, Carson Strong is the most convincing like pocket passer, but who knows? I guess he's got like the knee and uh, he's not exactly mobile. So I don't know what to expect of him. 
Don't know how much risk there is there. Uh, Malik Willis is the only real upside one left, I guess, and uh, being Auburn transfer to Liberty. Like he's got some pedigree despite the Liberty background, but some of his production is just so rough and the tape so rough. And uh, with that said, I have to believe it's him who has the ability to like push for that top 15 kind of range, if any of them, just because for as rough as he is, and he, I think it's like pretty discouraging. I'm, I'm not particularly close to convinced with him, but uh, he's got the tools, you know, and he's, he's very convincing athlete, double, you know, dual threat passer runner. So um, especially after a case like Josh Allen, where the polish was just not there at all in college. And he put us some like really brutal numbers, really brutal tape. He was a case where having extreme tools, you know, truly rare athletic tools and a work ethic to eventually, eventually, eventually chip, chip away, obviously. And I guess it's possible Willis, if, if he's the same, you know, freakishly hard worker that Allen is. And um, if his arm, uh, his athleticism do amount to that kind of compelling ability. But I don't know, it feels, feels to me like still kind of, taking several leaps of faith to get there. Uh, but, and if the desperation of NFL teams can be a lot more powerful than, you know, any other otherwise reasons for caution, I guess. No, absolutely. So yeah, Willis at least ha- has those tools, but like you said, there, there's, um, there's going to be some work needed to be done to, in order for him to get uh, to those tools and to tap into them at the next level. So if you are Tampa Bay, are you going in the trade you're not going with Kyle Trask. You're, uh, right. I mean, not if you're trying to win anyway. Uh, I guess that if they go with Trask, I'm saying like, oh, that's a tank year, clearly. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, one, one interesting thing, aside from even the possibility of Garoppolo moving, and uh, I don't know, man, I, I could see him getting stuck there again somehow just because <laughs> Shanahan has to be prepared to let him go for a price that he's just point blank not going to like. You know, it's like you have to mm-hmm. understand – you are not in a position to demand anything. You're the idiot who traded up. You, you mortgage your own team's future to take this quarterback who apparently you don't want now. Um, that's just a big problem for you. Nobody else has to say like, oh, here's here's a little help, uh, Kyle. For for uh, we, we see that you didn't really mean to spend so much on these quarterbacks. So let's help you out and give you a nice, uh, comfortable price for, for one of them to make things easy for you. It's like, no, you got to move one now. And or you can just keep them both and deal with the political tension that brings. So um, but Garoppolo sucks and like no team is going to offer a first rounder. I know I've been seeing like all this stuff about first. These teams should offer first round picks for Jimmy Garoppolo. But no, nobody should do that. No, nope. um, nobody will. Um, so he might be moving. And if he does, I guess that's that's one guy. I guess I just don't know what to expect there. But uh, Marcus Mariota and Mitchell Trubisky are both free agents. And I would bet they're both starting next year somewhere. Okay, interesting, and and you know, let's let's bring Pittsburgh in, into the equation here. So obviously, Mason Rudolph and, and Dwayne Haskins are two guys, it, but it's not. I mean, if they go into the season with either of those guys as the starter, then that's almost a tank year in and of it itself. Is. Yeah, and, and it's, that's not I really the Steelers' enough, mo. And if if you got this terrible quarterback class and if next year's is better somehow, I guess it does make sense to just kind of say the hell with it this year. Otherwise, the one thing I'll mention is I, I agree. It doesn't seem like the Steelers would seriously consider tanking Mike Tomlin. I don't know if he could tank if he tried. He hasn't had that losing record yet. So um, 
I will say, I think Rudolph was better the last two years than Roethlisberger, and I still think uh, Rudolph is terrible, but it's really hard to appreciate just how bad Roethlisberger was the last two years. And I don't remember, I think a Browns game last year, uh, in 2020, I mean, Rudolph started, and you saw the whole offense look a lot better because just for the mere fact that he could throw the ball like you know 15 yards. And it's not that he was good at any point, but just opening up the field that way made the whole offense just look better because uh, they, they had more field to work with basically. So if they, if they want to try to make like another wild card run with Mason Rudolph, I bet they can actually do it uh, just because they already did it two years in a row with Roethlisberger, in my opinion, playing even worse than Rudolph would have uh, Haskins. I, I think he's just kind of like weird case. I don't think it's happening. No, I, I don't either. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, what what those two franchises, obviously coming off of postseasons, uh, what we'll be able to do in 2022 as far as their quarterbacks are concerned. Let's get to a couple of uh, hirings from around the league. I want to first off get your thoughts on the Giants. Obviously, that they've kind of had a, a massive overhaul in the front office in, in addition to the, the coaching staff. Brian Dable kind of considered the the best of the of the coordinators that, that you could have gotten in this coaching cycle. Uh, your thoughts on him landing in New York and and you know what it could mean for Daniel Jones and the rest of this team. Yeah, I would have gone somewhere else if I was Dable. Like certainly, I would have preferred Chicago, basically, basically anywhere. Jacksonville would have been ideal if uh, you know certain other things were different about that team. Um, basically. I think Dable is at once a really good offensive coordinator and deserves a lot of credit for helping, you know, make Josh Allen break out the way that he has. Uh, I'm not saying that to take credit away from Allen, but I I think it's also, I think you can both give Allen all the credit you want and also acknowledge that uh, Dable did pretty much everything, in my opinion, close to perfectly. I think that the ways that they lacked as an offense, and I'm especially thinking about the running game, I guess, and, um, some of their just kind of like dud games this year that that kind of got a lot of criticism for Dable. Like I, going into this year, Dable was kind of like the head coach name, and then over the course of this year, during especially probably that Jacksonville game that they lost, I remember people are saying like, "Oh, Dable sucks now." I don't mm-hmm. think that is true. I think Dable was always doing a really good job, and I think the Bills might miss him a little bit. Uh, but I also think that he's stepping into a buzzsaw here. Um, because Daniel Jones is terrible and they're not in a good position to get a quarterback this draft, in my opinion, just because I don't like the class. So um, it, you can you can say Dable is largely responsible for Buffalo's success and also say he's going to fail unless he gets, let's not say a Josh Allen caliber prospect, because that's getting a little greedy, I guess, but you got to do a lot better than Daniel Jones. Brian Dable with, with Josh Allen might be great, but with Daniel Jones, nobody is. So um, I think this is a this is basically a good setup for Dable to fail as a head coach, um, and not necessarily because he was ever bad, just because it's like bad situation, stupid team. So the, there's no world in which Daniel Jones can get, that that Dable can unlock anything in him, in your opinion. Not in my opinion. I guess we'll see. I mean, don't get me wrong. Dable will run a better offense than Jason Garrett and uh, Freddie Kitchens did. So I guess that could be something, but, um, you know, that's that's taking you from maybe bottom three offense to something like bottom 10, something like that. So um, I 
I don't think there's any prayer with Daniel Jones. I actually would be a little curious in that team if, if they were the one to sign Mariota, because I, I have a bit of remaining Mariota trutherism to me. Hell, Good. Trubisky. I guess, Trubisky would be better than Daniel Jones, too. I mean, Dan, uh, Trubisky sucks, but uh, and he knows there was no Dave confusion. From, the, he knows the offense. Right, and like at the, the ACC, there was no confusion at the time. Like, I can't tell who's better, Trubisky or Daniel Jones. Like, no one had that. No one, Duke fans never said that at the time either, you know? So it's... <laughs> Trubisky can be terrible and also clearly better than Daniel Jones. And I, I definitely think that's the case. You know, Duke, Duke football Twitter, famously loud and boisterous. <laughs> They've got like no fans. <laughs> yeah. um, it's so funny. No, it's a basketball uh, yeah. school. It, makes sense. it is a basketball school. And that, that's just fine. Um, looking elsewhere, some of the other hires that, that have caught your eye from this week. Well, Josh McDaniels, um, he he had a, a weird time in Denver, obviously, and the the Tebow pick is is no good reflection upon him. But it was also one of those things that's just uh, it was so stupid and wacky at the time, even and especially with the passage of time. I look at that, and in the absence of similarly stupid moves by McDaniel since then, I, I'm kind of willing to just say uh, he was he was basically guilty of uh, believing in Santa still at the time. He just kind of like, hey, let's get the storybook quarterback with the, the the throwing motion that they said was too bad to literally play an NFL offense with. And he thought like, you know, I saw Rudy. I I I know Santa Claus is real. I know the Easter Bunny is real. I think this Tebow thing can work. And I'm I'm hoping he's learned you know since then that just none of those things are true. Um, his offense I think fits really well with Derek Carr. Like the quarterback problem that he brought upon himself in Denver isn't going to be there with the Raiders. So, um, you know, that Fresno state offense that Derek Carr, uh, put up so much, so, so many stats up at, uh, with, with Devonte Adams and whoever else that's kind of similar. Like the NFL closest thing is probably the McDaniels offense that just tons of pick routes, very horizontally oriented, very fast paced, despite, in the case of the Patriots, not having any actual speed, you know, it's like they, they kind of move at a quick tempo. Uh, they're kind of like quick off the line kind of thing, quick laterally kind of thing. So I think Carr is a good fit for what McDaniels does. I think Carr might keep this good streak going this like four or five good years or whatever he's had now. And uh, I think a lot of the guys that they have are perfect for it too. Like Waller, Renfro definitely work well. Like it's a yards after the catch kind of offense, you know, it's like those two are great for that. Zay Jones, I think his breakout could continue. I don't know if they're going to be able to resign him. I think he's a free agent. So there's, there's a lot to actually like in that offense, in my opinion. And it, it would be also a good sign for Brian Edwards, in my opinion, because I think Brian Edwards is good. And the problem is that offense they had was making him run farther downfield than he has the speed to actually threaten. And McDaniel's offense won't call that like McDaniel's offense. I think is going to give him that more like nine yard depth of target that suits him rather than the, the 14 or 15 or whatever it was this year. Do you think uh, that the Raiders go, you know, obviously they, they've had an overhaul in the, in the front office as well. What do you <laughs> think that they do it, as far as their first round pick uh, checking in at, at 22 overall? Huh? Well, Casey Hayward is something like 32 or 33. Now he played well last year, but they're going to need a new corner. I don't, I don't know what this class is beyond Stingley and the, the Clemson guy, I don't know if, I don't know if he, neither of them is likely to fall to 22, right? Stingley's not falling out of the top five. Um, no, St- Stingley, like at, at worst, will, will be like late 
top 10, maybe early teens. Yeah. And then uh, Andrew Booth, I think, is the Clemson guy you're talking about. And yeah. he's the next one up. And then I, I think that, that there's a bit of like that top end scarcity at, at corner this year to where maybe he should go 22nd, but he ends up going like 18. Oh, okay. Um, well, yeah, it's it's that spot, and I guess they lost something on the interior offensive line this year. Uh, they got they got Miller at left tackle and Leatherwood Leatherwood on the right side, so maybe not tackle. Um, that Boston College defense? guy, I think, is really lighting it up at, at the Senior Bowl. Who knows? Maybe he like go, goes. That's a an bit offensive tackle. That uh, offensive interior offensive lineman, I believe. Interior offensive. Okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, it's 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 I think going to be interior offensive line and. Uh, Yeah, I guess corner and maybe linebacker defensive line. Yeah, I think I, I, I would have thought that the, the Raiders were maybe a little short on speed on offense with especially the previous offense they were running. But I, I think with McDaniels, it's like they're ready to pretty much lock it in and go right away on offense. It's like the defense that I wonder about. Um, and I guess they have enough needs there. They can kind of go best player available. And mm-hmm. um, the odds are that player will be a place they need him anyway. Right, exactly. All right, so good call there. Um, and then your thoughts on uh, Eberflus to the Bears? I don't know. He's he's one of those guys who he's he's a pretty uninspired hire. I would say he's one of those guys who's I think a candidate just because he's been hanging around on some vaguely successful teams, some vaguely respected coaching trees over the past. 15 years or whatever and not so much because anyone looks at what he does and thinks like oh my god how did how did he think of that um the closest anyone would get to feeling that way about him would would i guess pertain to like darius leonard's stats which are you know impressive that's cool maybe maybe abraflus had something to do with that but and and you would say i think that the colts defense was generally pretty good under his watch and, and he also probably did some decent work in dallas but um I think the reason this guy's getting hired is basically because it's like, oh, well, you know, he's, he's worked under Frank Reich and we respect Frank Reich and Frank says he's a solid guy. And, uh, you know, he was trained under Rod Marinelli or somebody like that in Dallas. So he's got a good, you know, he's, he's been mentored well. And people say he's not a freaking jerk idiot. And like, that's basically all. And like, that's, that's what got him the job. And maybe that profile is gonna work i mean I, I don't see any like obvious red flags with them but beyond running like a tony dungy inspired defense to moderate success i don't know what he's done yeah I, it, it did feel kind of like a like a b minus type of hire and and you know when you have the potential for your franchise to completely change the bears obviously have have had quarterback problems the the entire duration of their franchise history, which is, you know, obviously one of the longest, uh, you would think that maybe going the offensive route would have been ideal or, you know, like you mentioned, Brian Dable might, might've been the move, but uh, there it is. Yeah. I mean, it's so Brandon Staley was a defense guy, right? But he's a former quarterback. So he kind of understands the whole thing. And um, I think there's definitely a way to be a defensive person who still has the proper offensive acumen and, and mm-hmm. I I feel like Abraflus hasn't proven himself a buffoon so there's a chance that he's just kind of he's more like another McDermott or another um I don't know Tom not 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 Tomlin like a direct comparison like something like that but just one of those guys who is primarily defensive but still 
just runs a good show. And uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, you can't really know that stuff until you see them in action. And uh, who, who knows which way it'll cut. But, you know, it's it, it feels it feels just has a little luck and, and solves that question for Aberflus. Then I guess that's the way it would be a particularly good hire. But who knows? Yeah, it, it does come down to, to him pretty much so that those two will be tied together, fair or not. Um, your thoughts on the Saints? I feel like that they've uh, of like all the open jobs like that. That one doesn't seem like it's get it's picking up a lot of like national traction. Your thoughts there? Yeah, it seems like a sucker's job to me. Like it's <laughs> it's like Sean Payton. He he's a good coach, you know. He 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 got his success, and he's he's had success in a lot of roles in a lot of places over a very long time. He didn't do that by being a moron, you know, like he, he looks at this team now and he's like, oof, that, uh, that caps it, that cap situation, this, this quarterback depth chart I've got this, uh, you know, I might lose Teron Armstead. My offensive line that's so good might not be so good all of a sudden. And Cam Jordan's turning 34 or something. What the hell are we going to do? Uh, I think I'll retire. You know, like that's, I don't think, uh, I don't think I'm going to be doing much about this. And I don't think anybody's doing much about that except losing. And, you know, maybe maybe the, the person hired to lose will be given enough leash to actually try to fix this thing. But uh, in the meantime, so do you, do you I mean, think that there's a potential for it to be like a David Cully one year meat shield? Well, I was going to say, apparently, like, who knows what's going to go on with this Brian Flores thing. But particularly in light of the NFL's new thing about, like, giving a compensatory draft pick to teams that hire minority coaches, the Texans hiring a minority coach and then firing him within one year after uh, signing uh, 53 Rex Burkheads to one year deals, at the veteran <laughs> minimum. It's like, that's pretty cynical looking, especially when you go to hire some just, I, don't know, I shouldn't say too much about McCown, but um, they're giving away a bit of the game with that one you know they're 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 not making you guess what they're thinking there uh, and it's nothing good nothing wholesome so uh whatever uh good luck jack easterby with that one but in the meantime uh with this flores thing coming up i don't know if anyone's gonna feel so safe pulling what the texans just did um but yeah this if, if the saints were to exercise that sort of cynicism it's like you know they, they could go and try to uh, hire a Cully and then just fire him next year when they got a nice draft pick and they, you know, they, they go after the table of that year then or something like that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see, but yeah, the saints are uh, in kind of a, a strange little spot. You know, we, we got a glimpse of, of what life after breeze looked like in 2021. Not they should not just run a wishbone. I mean, T- Taysom Hill can't throw, but uh, at least he can run. Just, just don't throw. Simple enough, in my, in my opinion. Grow up, run the wishbone. There it is. Uh, before we get on to some senior bowl di- discussion, we got a word from our sponsors over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We also got a message from our friends over at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital and casino and sports book app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in seven states. That's Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire Fantasy Podcast. All right, Mario, let's shift gears. Again, we, we don't really have a game this weekend other than the Pro Bowl, but uh, the Senior Bowl, of course, is, is always an interesting one. And and the the week leading up to the Senior Bowl is usually of particular interest. And the, the, the game itself has varying degrees of, of utility. Um, but the, yeah. the practices are obviously where, where kind of the, the differences are made, where guys can start to push their way up boards or maybe slide down, you know, whether it's the measurements, maybe whether it's the um, – the performance in practice, like Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State, has apparently made himself a good amount of money this week. The edge rusher, uh, pretty impressive guy. Is that the Georgia transfer? 
He is the Georgia transfer. Did Kirby Smart mishandle the Jermaine Johnson situation? Probably. But oh, oh, sorry, I wasn't trying to pick at a scab there. <laughs> no, I mean they, they, actually, I knew nothing about the guy. They uh, they won they won a national championship, so I'm I'm set for 41 years or however long it is until there's they, a different they dimension again. somewhere where you're uh, just you closed your laptop after I said that the podcast <laughs> ended right there because uh, they lost to Alabama two times. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's an interesting class and I think at receiver, especially it's rather strong there. I can't speak too much at all about, uh, offensive line or the defenders. I, I can't really get into those guys until the combine. I I just don't really know how to evaluate them until I have that, the size speed details. Um, but these receivers, I think, uh, there's, there's at least, uh, let's say almost like eight to 10 who I think could push for mid rounds or higher. And in the case of Jahan Dotson, I wouldn't be shocked if he's like a first rounder. Yeah. Dotson, I think that he was one of those guys that I believe opted out this week um, of the practices. Oh, okay. Um, So we, we haven't heard too much, but like, like you said, I kept kept, uh, trying to look at their official roster list and it seemed to not match up with what I was finding. Like uh, anyway, sorry. Yeah, I didn't. He's, he's awesome. Even if he doesn't go to the senior bowl or it doesn't do the practices in my opinion, I think like if anything, he's, he's probably right to not practice. This game is beneath him. Yeah, I, I kind of think so too, actually. So, so he didn't really need to be there. Uh, guy I was hyping up uh, on this pod a week ago, James Cook, also opted out, unfortunately, but I felt like he could have really made some headway this week. However, uh, most of the Georgia guys are not participating for either injury or, or other reasons. So, um, no Cook. Hopefully, he'll be at the combine and you know be That's able all to make really me need. not look senior stupid. bowl. Senior Bowl's fine, whatever, and some guys help themselves, but there's also a bunch of like noise every year because every year there's a Senior Bowl and they need to have a story even if there isn't one. So some years you get fed a bunch of hype about Chad Williams or James Washington or something, and it's it's not always somebody who's actually good. So, uh, but the combine is the big thing. If you didn't, if you don't get a combine invite, that's usually a pretty big red flag for a prospect. Yeah, exactly. So that that is about a month or so away as it as it stands right now. So we'll, we'll see what goes on there. But um, I want to talk. Want to circle back more? So uh, we we talked about Jalen Tolbert. I took him in in that dynasty uh, rookie mock a week ago. Uh, so he checked in. I was worried that he was going that the frame that was listed at South Alabama was one that was a little bit too string bean uh, for, for NFL projection, but he checked in this week at like 6'1", 195. So that, that's a little bit more conventional. Was it like 6'1 and 5'8 or something like that? I'm just surprised because he, he looks more like the 6'3 that he was listed at, you know, being. He, he's 6'1 so six, six and 2 eighths. Huh, okay. Yeah, that really is 6'1". Um, anyway, like you said, that's, a, that's fine build-wise. The one thing I'll say with him I do hope he runs pretty well in the 40 because he won so much as like a downfield receiver and was so great in that role. Um, But uh, if he doesn't have real NFL speed, like standout NFL speed, then it might be hard to win the same way. So that's not to say he's like done at that point, but he he might have to like remodel his game if he's any worse than like a four, four, six kind of guy or something. Okay. So, so that, that four, four, six is kind of what what you'll be, monitoring with that would get him in like the round two kind of conversation for me if he could do that 
Okay, all right, strong. Uh, looking elsewhere at some of these other kind of bit, big name uh, receivers here. Uh, Khalil Shakir out of Boise State, hyperproductive player for, for several years there it's for the Broncos. It's his birthday today. Hey, look at that. And uh, happy birthday to, to Khalil yeah. Shakir, man. Absolutely. Uh, Smurf turf legend. Uh, six foot, 193. Uh, haven't heard a ton about his performance this week one way or the other, but but do you have any you know expectations on, on him, where he might end up? So I like Shakir. His workout numbers can hold quite a bit of sway over where he specifically projects, though. Because uh, he is skinny. Like, we definitely know he's skinny. He's always going to be skinny. Uh, We don't expect him to be fast exactly. But as long as he's got, like, a smooth athletic profile, like, as long as he's a guy who starts and stops well and changes direction well, that's all his skill set really needs anyway. Like, he projects more as, like, an underneath intermediate kind of guy in the NFL. And his production at Boise State, I can just say, is awesome. Like, his production is spectacular there and it's possible that he kind of had like an easy job like kind of being an underneath uh heavily featured underneath yards after the catch kind of guy like maybe maybe he doesn't make as many plays if he has to run the john hightower routes or something like that i don't really know but i think that shakir's production is really encouraging because it's both very high volume and uh very high efficiency withstands the age adjustment penalties really well uh, he's he's got just totally clean numbers and they were accumulated when Boise had a bunch of upperclassmen receivers playing on the same team as him like CT Thomas is at least like a year older uh, Hightower was there for a couple of years and Hightower was playing at like 23 24 years old and Shakir was still out producing him so I think there's nothing that I look at in, in uh, Shakir's profile that makes me think any lower than the third round unless he tests poorly as an athlete but otherwise, you you might be able to plug him in as like the way the Rams use Robert Woods used Robert Woods. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's a that's a promising comp trajectory. Again, we'll we'll need the, the, those workout measurements. However, um, what we know about Shakir right now is is pretty promising stuff. Um, looking at Romeo Dubs, he's someone that I, I've been a big fan of for the last couple of years. Kept a close eye on him in that Nevada offense impressive numbers throughout and that, you know, he wasn't a one man show necessarily in the sense that he was the only guy that could do anything in that receiving core. Like they had impressive other guys. I mean, that uh, Cole Turner, the, the tight end, obviously yeah. a stud. Um, you, you look at some of those other guys that, that the senior who heard it, who keeps getting hurt uh, for Nevada, he, his name's escaping uh, me. Tor- Tori, Elijah, Horton. whatever, Elijah cooks. Yes. And then um, Tori Horton and other talented guys. So even with all those guys in the mix, dubs was still kind of like stood out uh, above the rest uh, you know, him and Turner kind of like the one, a one B in what was one of the more explosive offenses in the mountain West. And he checks in um, like six, two, two Oh four with absolute mitts, like over 10 inch hands as well. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Dubs is pretty convincing too. Like his numbers don't, um, they don't stand out quite as quickly and especially the share percentage sense as like we were just talking about Shakir. Uh, they're in the same conference, right? So it's pretty, yes. pretty, le- pretty similar levels of competition for the two of them. Uh, Dubs way above baseline at Nevada. And in 2020, 
he actually had some a, a lot higher of a target share than he did this year. I don't know if like somebody got hurt that year, but I'm pretty sure he had something almost like 33 plus percent share of their offense in 2020. And he was a four year, not starter exactly, but he, he played a lot even as a true freshman and was productive as a true freshman. So Dubs is again, like my process looks at him and it sees no red flags at all. Like if he, if he gets a red flag, it's because of his, production details but in the meantime uh i don't think he's another case like um demonte coxie or whatever like that like uh that's an example of a player who is old by like two or three years for his experience level and dubs was not dubs was always playing early and, and at an age disadvantage it seems so uh his production is just totally totally clean and to the point where it's like even if he doesn't test well i think he'll still project as like a really good, uh, I don't know, wide receiver three kind of guy. Like, even if he doesn't project as like a standout starter, it's like, it's hard for me to imagine dubs not doing anything in the NFL. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. I'm, I'm relatively sold on him at at least being a contributor um, at the next level. And and yeah, like you said, you know, his target share this year was 20.2% Cole Turner drawing 17% of the targets. And then they just kind of, uh, spread it out. Tory Horton, Melquan Stovall, Justin Lockhart, and Elijah Cooks before he got hurt. And Stovall guys. was like a six-year player too, so that's 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 tough when you're a fourth-year player to preserve your target share when a when a six-year transfer shows up. And that was, he was wasn't Stovall also like a three or a four-star or something. So that's that's plenty good excuse, especially if Cole Turner is as good as he otherwise appears to be. Right, exactly. So all, all things looking pretty good for him. Um, a couple of other receivers with, with kind of like standout measurements to me. I, I don't really know uh, much about Christian Watson uh, uh, out of North Dakota State, but 6'4", 211. And then um, obviously a couple of the Ole Miss guys, Braylon Sanders, 5'11", 188. So he projects more like a, a slot guy. And Dontario Drummond, six foot two seventeen, a, l- a little bit of like a mini A.J. Brown. Yeah, he's those guys are both uh, very old for their levels. So we'll see with a player like that who who has good enough production, but doesn't for me withstand the age adjustment penalty. At that point, I need them to test well athletically. So if Drummond runs like a four, three, eight or something, I was like, oh, that'll that'll get me back in in a hurry. Um, But if he's only like an average athlete, then he's probably a practice squatter to me. Um, uh, The the, the North Dakota State guy is an interesting one, though, because. He, he's a redshirt senior, so there's a bit of like an age adjustment penalty that you would give him looking at his numbers. But I feel like that's the same. Um, well, it's not the same thing, but uh, Kenny Galladay was like a fifth year guy when he he went from North Dakota State to Northern Illinois, I guess. So it's it's different. But um, in any case, it's like he was the same kind of player, 6'4", 210 or whatever. And it, it's uh, it seems like he's going to test pretty well, like the, at least everybody talking about him at the senior bowl is talking about how he's making all these athletic plays and stuff. So if he's one of the biggest receivers and a standout athlete, that's again, the kind of thing that can get me to look past any age adjustment penalty. Cause at, at that point it's like, you know, because he's a good athlete, we have reason to think he produced as a fifth year player, not because he was older than the competition, but because he was faster than the competition. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's the kind of stuff that comes to mind for me with him. He could push for, I don't know, I guess like the second round, depending what kind of numbers he puts up. Uh, but he does need to put up decent athletic testing for me. Uh, but there's there's a few other wide receivers that I like here, and depending on how their workout numbers go. But like uh, 
the Coastal Carolina J- Javon Haley, Halai, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. He's got really good numbers, really clean production. So if he tests well, that'll be interesting. Uh, Trey Turner at Virginia Tech was kind of weird. Like he started really fast there. Yeah, he was really great built. as a freshman. Yeah, never really built on his share of the offense. But if he tests well, that'll make me pretty curious again. And uh, a lot of hype for Calvin Austin, the Memphis guy. Um, I don't know what to make of him. Like his production is actually not very clean. It was clean this year, uh, but he just turned 23 or he's about to turn 23. So the age adjustment kind of like negates the impressiveness for me there. I need him to test really well at 5'7", 173. And I don't know, I, I, I'm probably going to be a little lower on him than most people. Uh, otherwise, that Bo Melton from Rutgers, yeah, he's a he's a bit overaged too. But when I look through his production in each year, it withstands the age adjustment penalty pretty well. And if if he tests okay, like, man, he, his production is really really good at Rutgers because they they had of course trash quarterbacks. So you look at his numbers at a glance, and it's like, oh, that's, I don't see what's so impressive about this. But then when you look at the the rest of the Rutgers passing games, like, oh my God, how did he? How did he average seven yards a target in this offense? They, you know, completed 46% of their passes for five yards in attempt. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think one of the st- like standout parts of your process and one that's been imbued onto me for, for how I look at these guys is looking at, at the team context. Because like you said, if you, if you look at just a receiver from a terrible offense, the, the numbers are not going to compare to some of the other you know top guys. But Melton, I believe he was a four star, you know, one of the better as far as recruiting pedigree uh, is concerned uh, that Rutgers was going to pull over over these last handful of years. And, you know, there's a reason, of course, that he was always like 4K on on DraftKings and it's because the the rest of that offense. But but uh, he was always getting targets, drawing them at a reliable rate, catching them at a a good enough rate. You know, it's all relative to, to the baseline. And he was clearly above it. Yeah. And um, like I said, the age would conventionally be like a little bit of a concern. But the, the thing is, when you look at the year by year production that he had, uh, you can you can see him dominate the way that he's supposed to with the age advantage, you know. So it's like it's it's one thing to be a bad player who all of a sudden gets better his fifth year. <laughs> can he pick it? Um, but if if you have that age advantage and you're if, if you have that age advantage and you dominate like an extra level, like you're supposed to, it's like Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle, I guess are the, the most uh, perfect example of that. Cause they're both turning 22 in season. Um, but it's okay. Cause you're averaging 14 yards a target. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's fine. It's not that, it's, it's not that bad. Um, so yeah, Melton is the same thing, but instead of having an offense that averages, you know, 76% completed in 10 yards per attempt, it's uh, 46 and five. Yeah. It's, yeah, you look at the rest of, of his uh, Rutgers teammates. Uh, no one else was above 335 yards this year. No one caught more than two touchdowns other than Bo Melton, who, of course, caught uh, or brought up, rang up 618 yards and three touchdowns, drawing about nine targets per game, about 24% uh, of those Rutgers targets. Um, let's move on over to, to running back before we get out of here. Um, again, it, it's not the... Not a not a standout class where that we're treated to once again this year. 
Um, I, I guess I want to start things off with, with someone who seems to be making a little bit of noise, and that's Damian Pierce out of Florida. Florida just had a, a kind of funky run game over these last couple of years under Dan yeah. Mullen, so I don't think you can penalize I hate those too much I hate that. offenses that do the uh, seven carries for six different running backs every game. So yeah. stupid. But yeah, Damian Pierce, he, his numbers are really clean, and his pass catching really stands out, like those those pass catching numbers. I don't know. Like if he tests pretty good, I could see him pushing for the third, maybe even the second round because it's the, the lack of like market share is clearly just a part of the team's philosophy. It's not like a reflection of his abilities and uh, the pass catching ability, especially in a running back class like this one, that's just, it's fine. There's no stars. There's nothing that impressive about it. Uh, Rashad white obviously took another, uh, went to another level yet this year as a pass catcher. So he's pretty interesting too, but Pierce has the more classic NFL kind of frame, you know, like White's built a little tall, a little light. Pierce is more stocky, but still very quick, explosive, polished pass catcher. So he's pretty interesting. I, I got to look a little bit more at guys like Hassan Haskins and Abram Smith. I don't really know what to think of them. I'm, I'm not, especially in the case of Smith, I'm pretty skeptical. And Haskins, I don't know. He's he's interesting, but he's, he's Haskins was a thumper and like he, yeah, he's I mean, interesting he's to me in like a Trey. He's like Trey Ragus kind of thing, which like maybe I don't know. Yeah, uh, I love I love a good Trey, Trey Ragus callback. But um, when when it comes to to Smith, he had the dreaded guy with the small hands that everyone points out <laughs> at at at, uh, at the Senior him, Bowl. Oh it, yeah, him and Tyquan Thornton too. Like Tyquan Thornton was kind of interesting at Baylor, but he has like seven and a half inch hands, which I've like never seen before. I, I looked um, at I looked at Abram Smith a little bit closer. He's a converted linebacker, right and he fumbled in his first start uh, th- this year and lost the fumble, but only fumbled once after that the rest of the season. So ball security, despite all of that, uh, was not really an issue for him. And you can almost forget yeah. some of it for just the, the position transition. Yeah, I don't know if hand size for running backs matters at all, because it's like even as far as ball security goes, it's, you're doing a high and tight thing. You know, with quarterbacks like Kenny Pickett, you fumble a lot when you have small hands because you're not high and tight. You are just gripping the ball. So, right. um, yeah, I don't know if it might matter for Smith. I have no idea, but he needs to test well. Uh, if he does, then then we're I'm kind of interested a little bit. But, yeah, I kind of hate this running back class after the first, like, four guys. Tyler Algier, like I was talking about before, he's interesting to me. If he tests well, especially, I, I could see him – he could like push for the top running back spot for me. Like not realistically, it's realistically it's Brees Hall. Um, mm-hmm. But actually uh, more than the running backs, the tight ends are actually really good at the senior bowl, right? Like it's, it's not just Trey McBride. who seems pretty convincing. Charlie Kohler. He's like a big tight end. who seems really convincing. And Isaiah likely uh, from coastal Carolina, kind of more the McBride mold, I guess. Cole Turner, obviously we were talking about, he's good. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty curious to see how the tight ends do uh, in addition to the receivers. Yeah, I like the, the. There's a lot of productive guys uh, from from this class. You know, the testing will will kind of round out the rest of their profile. But you know, at, at least in terms of production, you know, this this is a strong class. You know, th- pretty pretty throughout. You know, it's it's better on the whole than than last year's. Obviously, we don't have a Kyle Pitts or even a Pat Fryermuth in all likelihood. But there, there's a, a bunch of guys that that you could see being contributors. Yeah, I could see there being a, a Friar Muth or two. Not like the same kind of player exactly, but I don't know, man. If if likely tests good, if if McBride tests good, uh, their their numbers are pretty convincing. Kohler too. Like if he's if he's like six six two fifty five plus, if he tests decently, that's 
he could push really high because there's there's not many tight ends who are that big and who pass catch the way he did at Iowa State. Like there's a there's a big difference to me between like a Charlie a Charlie Kohler and like a Harrison Bryant or whatever. Because like when mm-hmm. you're when you're pass catching at that level and you're built like an inline tight end, that's pretty interesting. When you do it at 240 pounds and you run a four seven five, I don't really care. But if you run a four seven five at 260, that's different. For sure. Yeah. And Kohler was good his entire time at, at Iowa State, if I remember right. So, yeah. um, you know, I think he could have come out last year and probably still yeah, got drafted. Yeah. Um, I think uh, not a senior bowl guy, but Chisholm Oconquo from Maryland, um, you know, he he's done well. I think at the Shrine Bowl um, that this week, uh, he produced reasonably well for, for the Terps that, this past season. So oh, he's nice. more of like a he might get drafted type of guy, but but s- still someone to like keep keep on your radar um, here moving forward as we as we as we you know kind of hit full throttle on the pre-draft process. But otherwise, I think that's it. I think we we uh, have hit everything for today. Obviously, next week we are going to have a bonanza of a show. We we got Super Bowl coming up. Bengals, Rams, full breakdown fantasy. So we'll help you with your DFS builds, uh, help you with with some betting. I'm going to drive up to Tennessee on Monday. I'm off on Monday and uh, check out the sports betting uh, offerings in the great state of Tennessee. Get on over, maybe eat some food in Chattanooga. That'll be be a nice little day off. Um, So looking forward to that. But otherwise, that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. Thanks for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.